You're listening to SHL's Trendlines podcast, where we invite experts in talent management to discuss top trends in people science that help businesses thrive because their people thrive. Hello and welcome to Trendlines with Erin Krask, an SHL podcast. Today we have with us Kim Sparling, who is the Vice President of Product at SailDrone, which is a technology and research organization based out of San Francisco. So Kim, thank you so much for making some time for us today. And what I would love to do is start by um, having you tell us a little bit about yourself, your career journey, and what brought you to this point in your career in technology. Yeah, thanks, Erin. And uh, thanks for having me on Trendline. Super excited to be here. Um, yeah, so as you mentioned, I am VP of product for Sail Drone. And um, for, for folks who aren't familiar with what Sail Drone is, um, we actually are a company that designs, builds, and operates a fleet of uh, what we call uncrewed surface vehicles. Um, but for the layman, you might know of those as robotic sailboats. Um, so we collect a lot of data about the world's oceans um, that we sell to different government organizations and commercial organizations that are interested in oceanographic data. Um, and so I've been here uh, leading the product team for the last three, three and a half years or so. Um, prior to Sail Drone, I worked for a different tech company called Palantir Technologies. Um, so this is another sort of Silicon Valley tech company focused on data integration um, and software tools. Um, prior to that, I was a management consultant um, for a small boutique uh, management consulting company uh, in San Francisco and in Boston. And prior to that, I studied uh, civil and environmental engineering at MIT. Thank you so much for going through that background and your journey. A, a couple of the things that I'm so excited to discuss with you today are your journey into leadership in the field of technology and STEM. So thinking specifically about women in leadership. Um, and there's actually another aspect of your career journey that also I think is really interesting as we think about the role of purpose in organizations today and the fact that as organizations are going through the great resignation and focusing on keeping their talent and focusing on finding the right place to help people thrive, there's this cross-section of personal passion and ability to contribute. And one of the things that strikes me about your work is this intersection of personal interest and experience and professional experience. Um, so for example, you, I happen to know, grew up um, close to the ocean. Um, so you have experience living through hurricane environments. Um, you also have um, told me that you enjoy diving. And um, in, in your professional life now, you're working for an organization that does this ocean-based research. You're understanding climate change, mapping the client or the ocean floor, rather, thinking about marine traffic, all of these pieces that seem to intersect your personal experiences and hobbies, as well as now your professional world. And when you think about purpose and alignment between professional and personal experiences, what role does passion or personal interest play for you as a professional and how has it impacted your journey in, into leadership? Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, you, you, you said it well, I've, I've, I was born and raised in South Florida, you know, have basically been through hurricanes all my life. Um, I've always lived, you know, probably less than five miles away from a coastline in the U S so, um, have always really felt a close connection to the ocean and, um, you know, when I when I heard about Sail Drone and the the mission and the technology that we're developing, I I basically knew right away that that was a company that that I needed to work for. Um, so it sort of 
you know, when I was considering transitioning away from, from Palantir, I, I was sort of perusing the market, other jobs and other technologies out there. And I think like what really caught my attention, and this is what I've heard from candidates that, that I interview and that we hire on, is that the mission and the, the sort of cool technology that we're working on is really a key driver here. Um, so in particular about the, the ocean, you know, over 70% of our planet is covered in water and yet, you know, there, we know more about the surface of the moon and Mars. And so we sort of see the ocean as the last frontier and it has a huge impact on, on weather, on natural disasters, on our food um, and like human rights um, at sea is, is a huge issue. And so being able to sort of have a direct impact on all of those problems and to say that, hey, I'm working for a company that is trying to give more visibility and to, to have an impact on how we uh, sort of sustain our oceans moving forward is sort of a key motivator. And I think that for a lot of the, the people on my team, the people that we hire and the candidates that we talk to, you know, the job market right now is really competitive. It's, it's very hard, especially in the Bay Area, to um, sort of play on the same field as those huge unicorns and tech giants that are out here. Um, but I think one of the ways that we can really distinguish ourselves and also use as sort of a, a selling point and, and a filter to some extent um, is like, you know, the, the the mission and the passion that people have for the problem space that we're working in. And I think that, you know, in other companies that I've worked at, um, you know, tying things to mission or, you know, that intellectual curiosity is a great way to keep people motivated and engaged on a day-to-day -day basis because, you know, people are working on something that they find incredibly interesting and also fulfilling on a, on a sort of different level. Yeah, that's, it's interesting to hear you talk both about the impact of the purpose of the organization and how the organization is so mission-driven with both driving culture as well as driving the selection process. It sounds like your strong culture is helping you both attract a certain kind of candidate in a challenging labor market where I'm sure that you're competing with lots of big organizations with big fancy names that people recognize. And so when you're thinking about competing for that talent, you're attracting people who have that um, alignment to the purpose of the organization. They see themselves in it. Um, it becomes a selling point for them, a way for you to get talent in the door and a way for you to engage and keep your talent. And so is that what well, I, as, as sale drone can continues to grow and mature, I'm wondering if that is something that from a leadership perspective, you all are growing intentionally, has that culture grown organically? Um, it, when you think about the strength of that culture and your ability to attract and engage talent with it, is it something that you find you have to spend a lot of time focusing on and discussing um, in an organized way or, or does that grow organically with the organization? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's in my experience here, it's been a little bit of both. Um, yeah. So <laughs> um, when I was when I first heard about Seattle Drone, it, it was very organic and it was sort of um, implicit because, you know, when you go to our website and you see the, the things that we're working on, it's like this bright orange robot basically um, so um, it, it's pretty like in your face about what the technology can do and when you come into our office which is this like massive hangar on an old navy base where we're building these robots um, it, it's pretty clear but i think that as we've grown over the past four years or so um, from a leadership standpoint we have had to be 
uh, more thoughtful and intentional about that, that from more so from a messaging standpoint, um, I wouldn't say that like we've actively changed the culture to emphasize it more because it is so sort of ingrained in the company. But one of the things that we did do as a leadership team, um, I think late last year was to actually articulate the, um, the company's uh, vision statement. And so, you know, our, our entire leadership team got together in a room and we, we really wanted to um, sort of have something in writing, like what is the, the vision statement for, for our company so that we can um, make it clear to, you know, our customers, to our employees, and also our potential recruits, like what, what we stand by, like what are our values. Um, and so we, we sort of use that as a North Star when um, sort of like making decisions. And, you know, our, our um, mission statement and our, our values are really around, you know, one day there will be a sort of well-known, protected and sustainable ocean. And we think that getting more data about our oceans will help contribute to that. And so, you know, from a recruiting and also from a, you know, day-to-day decision-making process, like having that clearly, you know, it's actually like posted in our kitchen. It's people have it on their desktops. Um, it, it's sort of like a clear articulation of, you know, what are the values for the organization? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's fascinating to hear you talk about this building of an intentional culture, even in an environment where the culture is so unique and strong. Anyways, the requirement of crafting it and building it so it stays fresh and so it stays present as you continue to grow, I think really speaks worlds to the importance of that role of intentional culture in any organization. And taking a shift from that culture, part of the conversation into leadership, Another component of working for an organization like Saildrone is that you have had the opportunity to grow up in some ways with the organization. And often leaders, especially folks in industries like tech and science and these startup environments, they learn how to lead and they shape their own leadership styles as the organization grows and as their roles mature. Um, and for folks going into organizations that are more established, often there are these leadership development programs and there's all of these formal training components. And uh, and I'm wondering in the kind of environment where you've grown into this leadership role, how have you learned to become a leader? Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely been <laughs> very organic um, and to some extent trial and error, <laughs> to be totally honest. Um, I, I really think back on the experiences that I had uh, when I was actually working at Palantir. So before I even joined Sail Drone, um, the team that I was on uh, was technically the business operations and strategy team. And the way that that was structured was we were all sort of these um, ambitious young adults trying to make an impact in our career. And we were um, given, it was project-based work. Um, so every you know few weeks to a few months, I was working on a new project and um, all of my other teammates were working on other projects simultaneously. So we would never, even though there was a strong sense of team culture and team identity, on a day-to-day basis, we weren't you know working closely together. Um, and so one of the ways that we can, we would come together is to give each other feed, like, you know, I would prepare a presentation on, hey, this is my approach, this problem, and go to the rest of my team who didn't have contacts and didn't have anything on the line. Um, but I was looking for feedback from them. And they were sort of brutally honest and gave me their feedback. And like, you know, if I was doing this, this is how I would approach it. 
And I feel like because you know we were a project-based team, we were able to iterate quickly and get that feedback. I was able to sort of uh, form my own working style and and also see you know this is what good leadership looks like it's it's giving people you know honest feedback um, with the intention of improving them you know I, I would look to my peers um, who I knew had my best intentions at heart and I sort of take those learnings and that iteration cycle um, that I got there and I and I try to apply it to you know running my team here at sale drone like giving people, um, sort of honest feedback um, in in situ, like don't wait for sort of like annual review cycles or formal review cycles, because people can really benefit from that as as quickly as possible. And I think also making it clear that like, hey, that feedback is the intentionality behind it is to only improve people. It's not, you know, harsh or critical for the sake of being harsh or critical. It's it's really because I want to see people improve and to, to do their best. Um, and so I, I think that that sort of trial and error and, and rapid iteration is, you know, how I learned. And I think that's how I learned the best. Yeah, I can see an interesting parallel, too, between what you're saying about learning to become a leader and receiving that feedback in real time and using it to iterate as you're starting a new project or finishing a project you're working on and having an opportunity to practice a new leadership skill and then turning it around and leading in that same way to say, OK, let's be iterative. Let's have fail fast, try again, do something different and have that open communication, trust-based communication, that feedback be um, something that not only you seek, but deliver. And I have to imagine that that's a huge culture building piece for your team too, for folks that work for you to see you uh, embody the same qualities and look for the same kind of growth that you're giving your team, which I think is something that um, is really critical as part of a leadership competency skill set is being able to give and receive feedback. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And I, I think that, um, you know, the other thing is it's just like a muscle that you have to build. Um, so I, I, I really try to encourage people to put yourself out of your comfort zone and to like put yourself in these, you know, giving feedback is not always the most comfortable thing, but the more you do it, the more you normalize it and the more you get used to it. And so I think it's really like a muscle that you have to build um, in order to get better. Yeah. And I would love to sit and chat with you about all of the guiding principles you bring into your leadership practice. Um, but I also want to take a moment to ask you a little bit about your journey. Um, and of note, women continue to be up underrepresented in tech, especially leaders in tech, and compared to the general U.S. civilian population. Um, so one of the commonly cited barriers in the research about women in tech is the lack of mentoring by other women or this example where I can look at somebody else who came in my shoes before me and they looked like me or they behaved like me. And, um, and with less than 10 years in the workforce, you've already had an entrepreneurial and exciting career as well as risen into this executive leadership role. And so knowing the stats and seeing what you've been able to do in your career already, you know, what has been your experience and have you had the experience of having a mentor or those who opened doors before you? How have you been able to harness that? Yeah. I mean, I, unfortunately, I feel like I'm one of those women who hasn't had the opportunity to, you know, have a ton of women in tech managers. Like, I, I'm not sure if I can really think of one that I've actually had. But luckily, I, you know, I have had really great male mentors and, and male managers who, 
uh, I've been able to, to work with and to sort of engage on sort of, uh, you know, to get feedback and to, to learn from. And I think that, you know, in paying that forward and, and, you know, I feel strongly that women have a, a ton to offer um, as leaders and as researchers and as scientists um, and, you know, as product people. And I think that my approach is to really, you know, try to advocate for them and, and to, to praise the work that they're doing. Um, and so, you know, on my team at, at SailDrone with the customers we work with, you know, a lot of the, the users that I interact with for our product are scientists, they're researchers in the STEM field in very heavy science fields. And, you know, when we work with that or work with them, I really want to sort of call out the the, the great work that they're doing and to make sure that it's clear to the rest of the organization um, and to their peers, all of the great contributions that, you know, my team members and the people I've been working with um, have done. And I think that that in itself is, is not an easy thing. You know, I think I have a very busy schedule doing a lot of different things and you sort of have to take time out of your day to, to praise others and to call out um, what good looks like. Yes, it's interesting to hear you talk about the ways that folks have opened doors for you in the past, but also something that stands out to me about your description of the way that you then turn around and create opportunities for recognition and acknowledgement of others' success is not necessarily through these formal mentoring relationships. I think so often we think of you know mentoring or opening doors for other as something that has to be planned and executed and scheduled in and done with intent and we meet every week and we have an agenda and what you're talking about is a very real time and scalable even if it does take intentional um it, it takes time it takes intent to practice that giving recognition lifting others up but it is something that can be done um in in real time it is something that you can do and you can engage in as a leader without it being formally programmed in as part of your life and when I think about scalable recognition, especially in big organizations, fast moving organizations, growing organizations, complex organizations, that ability to get leaders into that mentality of recognition is a daily uh, activity. It's something that happens in the moment. It's something that happens at scale. It's not something that requires a program to happen is a huge part of growing that maturity in, in leadership. So I can see that being a really important way and a scalable way for many people to be able to take a moment to say, who might I recognize today? How might I lift somebody else up? So thank you for sharing that particular um, story with us. And um, as we think here about um, wrapping up already, uh, I was wondering if you could just give us any piece of advice that you might have for other leaders in tech or specifically maybe women leaders in tech who are looking to grow their opportunities um, and and look for that next leadership role. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think from my own experience, it's um, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say that I'm the most outgoing person by nature or like I like to toot my own horn um, or anything like that. But I think that the more you can um, put yourself in the situations to highlight your own accomplishments and to call out those of others is really the only way to uh, to really tell your story and to make sure that, you know, folks are aware of what you've been doing and um, to encourage, uh, you know, that that sort of praise 
in situ <laughs> within an organization. Um, so I think just like not not being afraid to put yourself in situations that make you uncomfortable and make you feel awkward. Yes, I love that. Get uncomfortable. Well, thank you, Kim, so much for spending these few minutes with me chatting about uh, women in tech, chatting about the role of culture and organizational purpose. And for those who want to learn more about your career path or more about the work uh, that Sail Drone's doing and the culture that they're building, where might they learn more? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so our website, saildrone.com, is probably probably the best place to, to look for more information. Feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn and a quick plug that we are always hiring and great people. Um, and so please check out our careers page. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Kim. What a great opportunity to work for an interesting and culture focused organization um, that's also focused on the betterment of our planet in the long run. Thank you all for joining me today. And I look forward to speaking to you all again soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to SHL's Trendlines podcast. To learn more about how SHL helps companies leverage their greatest asset, their people, please visit shl.com.